Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody. It's Sunday, May 6, 2012, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am in the house with Steve Say. Hello. Bob Ryer. Face front, true believers. And very special guest, host of Crazy Sexy Geeks, writer of Agent and Style on Newsarama, writer of the unofficial Game of Thrones cookbook, the unofficial Spider-Man Trivia Challenge, unofficial Batman Trivia Challenge. He's Sizzler Kissler on Twitter. Alan Kissler, thank you very much for joining us. No, my pleasure. So, um, for those of you who have listened before, Alan was on talking about and catching us up with Avengers vs. X-Men, and he's back now to talk about the Avengers movie, which obviously just opened this week. Um, a few people saw it. Yeah. A couple people saw it, I think. They're predicting... A few 200- record-breaking crowds. Yes, a few record-breaking <laughs> crowds. A little indie movie that could, $200 million at the box office <laughs> for the weekend. Um, Amazing. So, obviously, it's huge deal, and um, a lot of people have seen it. Some of you haven't. So, just so you know, for the first couple minutes, we're going to be talking non-spoiler about the, about the movie. But once I say we're going to do spoilers, from then on, it's no-holds-barred um, spoiler time. The other special thing about the show is we're actually streaming live right now on Ustream. So, um, if you guys missed it live, um, next time you guys should join us because we've got a chat going. Um, it'll be up on the site. Uh, we have a new segment for it on the site now. It's Talking Comic Books backslash live stream. All right, so hmm. that's all the, the business stuff to, to uh, start over there. So we saw the Avengers this week. Um, I've seen it twice. Steve? You saw it twice already. Yeah, come on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think Alan, yeah, thank you, Alan. Thank you for backing me up here. We're the slaggards here. We're Apparently. I'm going to see it tomorrow. Does that count? Tuesday. It, yeah, it counts. You're going to go see okay. it tomorrow, but uh, um, you're still slacking off a little bit, Steve. Uh, <laughs> I'm disappointed in myself. <laughs> um. So I thought just to start out, we do general impressions of the movie. You know, um, Steve, why don't you start out? Um, I'm going to say right off the bat, as far as movie going experiences are concerned, I guess when we get into the details of how we came to see the movie, mm-hmm. uh, I saw it a little differently than you guys. Um, it was one of the best times that I've had at the movies probably ever. Um, the energy of the crowd, the quality of the movie the fact that i was sitting there several times like leaning over to my friend and being like i cannot get over how good this actually is that it had met everything that i wanted it to and more so i had a good time awesome uh alan what about you i thought it was fantastic uh i the first time i saw it was i was part of the theatrical marathon oh so we'd been in that theater since 11 a.m uh watching all the Marvel films that led up to it. So it, it just, you know, it increased the energy of the crowd, I think. This really was a saga. You know, every movie was building us up, building us up. And, uh, you know, from, I, I love that they jump in, right into the action. 
and there is uh, the occasional conversation where people are taking a breather, but there's no part of the movie that really drags for me, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is a huge thing. And I thought they did a really great job of having characters of different genres coexist in a way that you totally buy into it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Bob, what about you? I went into this with really high expectations. And at, at some level, I think deep in my little comic book fan heart, I had a feeling it couldn't live up to what I wanted it to be, having waited 50 years to see a movie like this on a screen. It met, exceeded mm-hmm. everything I could have ever imagined this to be in both the new movie-making kind of way, but in those quieter talking moments mm-hmm. where the characters shine. It was just special. It really yeah. was quite amazing. Yeah. How about you? We, we saw it together. I mean, we, we sort of chatted, but only briefly to save it for here. Yeah, also it was 3 o'clock in the morning, so we didn't have... <laughs> yeah, getting to bed at 4 is tough. Yeah. A lot of energy to talk yeah. about it. You know, I, I, I loved it. I mean, I think that even outside of being a comic book movie, it brings... You know, everything that you think of as a summer blockbuster to the table without any of the baggage that usually brings. Like, all the character interactions, I think, work very well. They're tightly written. I think that the action is earned. You know, it's they don't just throw action at you. It's not Transformers, not just going, okay, you don't care about these people, but look how pretty everything is. You know, there's a ton of spectacle. There's little moments. Um... Some of the conversations have as much fire in them as the big action moments, I think, in a lot of ways. And I think that um, Joss Whedon goes from directing... He's a guy I love from TV and from everything he's done, but from directing one movie that I loved but does not look like this movie, you know, to, to catapulting him kind of into this strata of event you know, filmmakers in all the ways. And I don't want to see anybody else do an Avengers movie until he's ready to say no. You know, until he's ready to go, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. Who follows this? Yeah, yeah. If you had to come and step into his shoes. So I, I think it just, it hit on all the notes that I was looking for. It was really funny as well. But so, not a forced funny. No. Very naturally funny, but I thought very funny as well. Um, what do you think of Whedon, Alan? No, I, I think you could feel the fan love mm-hmm. in, in every scene. You could feel the fan love, but at the same time, um, not say, like Watchmen, I think there was so much fan love, he forgot to explain certain things for people who never read the damn book. Okay. And this didn't have that problem. It, it explains a lot of stuff. The stuff it doesn't explain, it gives you enough to get you interested. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one thing I've really been seeing more than with other comic book films. I'm really seeing a lot of people say, I want to read Avengers now, or... I want to read about Black Widow. I want to read about Hawkeye. I want to read about Iron Man. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing it a lot more with this film. I think it's completely understandable because he gives you a complete uh, film that's a complete story, not just action scene A, action scene B, and action scene C, but he also is treating it as an intelligent movie. Not everything is fully explained to you. You know, The, the basic things are, are explained because you need to follow the plot. But characters will allude to things that you never hear any more detail about. Mm-hmm. And, and likewise, relationships are set up very nicely just on how people relate to each other, how people speak to each other, rather than anyone explaining, well, you know, as you know, you and I have done a lot because we <laughs> knew each other this way. No, you don't have that. Just, right. it's, it's very clear. And so I, th- I think it's the same thing that happened when Iron Man 1 came out. The fact mm-hmm. that you're doing a superhero action film but making it an intelligent story film and, and a character arc 
that's such a big thing for me when you're doing a movie. Characters should have an arc through the movie. And how these people are, when you see them separately at the beginning of the film, is a little bit different than how they are at the end of the film. Mm -hmm. This experience changes them. And all of them across the board have an arc. Yeah. Yes. So you've got six, seven of them going at once and coincide, pull apart. That was my biggest fear, was that that wouldn't happen mm-hmm. that, that like when we were talking about the movie before it came out that was it possible that he was going to craft a movie where everybody was going to get a chance to, right. to show what they could do and to play their part mm-hmm. and that was the part that I was probably the most satisfied with was that when I walked away from it I was like I really felt satisfied from every end of like the team yeah they all had their own parts to play and it was all I think it was in I can't talk about it yet yeah well yeah. We went to <laughs> nothing no specifics but I totally agree with you, and a lot of reviews out there have said, you know, everybody gets their moment, and that's true, but that's underselling it, because everybody has six moments, you right. know, to shine, each of them, and there's at no point where I think you can really define the movie as somebody's movie, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not Tony's movie, even though, don't worry, Tony Stark has a lot to do in this movie, and, uh, you know, they definitely feature him a lot, but I don't think he's featured more than Captain America in, in any mm-hmm. way, you know, and... You know, and that leads me kind of to the performance aspect of everything, which is just, you know, we expect Downey to be great because Downey's been great for two movies, and he, to me, more than anybody else in that cast, I feel like he's taken Tony Stark, and now when I think of Tony Stark, I think of Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. In, in, in mm-hmm. a lot of yeah. ways. That's who I picture in my head. That's whose voice I hear. Even now when I'm reading the books, that's what I hear. I just watched um, the incredible, um, well, no, the Invincible Iron Man animated movie yeah. the other day. Mm-hmm. And that Tony's like this like smooth jazz, like playboy <laughs> talking Tony. He's so level and calm mm-hmm. that it totally fucks me up and I can't get into it. Um, and But again, you know, the difference between Chris Hemsworth and Chris Evans to me is that they're one awesome, and I love especially Chris Evans as Captain America. I think he does Steve Rogers. I feel like I'm looking at Steve Rogers, and that's different. When I when you know when I read Captain America now the comics, I don't hear Chris Evans's voice. But watching that movie, I don't see Chris Evans. I see Steve Rogers. Yes, yeah, subsumed into the part completely. So that's what I think. Um, and obviously, you know, Mark Ruffalo is fantastic uh, as Bruce Banner, and all the platitudes he's getting at this point are are well deserved. I mean. Alan, what was kind of the standout performance for you? Uh, you know, it, it, for me, it came down to um, just little moments between different characters. Because uh, a lot of these characters were in a scenario they've not been in before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Robert Downey Jr. Uh, truly facing Loki. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and just his delivery of certain lines when he's he's actually seeing the threats that they're, that they're facing... And he just has this kind of, you know, all right. And <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just, I, I, this is not, this is beyond my science. Mm. Um, things like uh, Cap truly just saying, you know, giving, giving you that expression of, I don't care what century it is. I don't care what era it is. I know what I'm doing. Get out of my way. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was it was really it was really great like that. But I will go with you on Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo, I think um, he did such, and I, I really liked Edward Norton's performance of the Hulk. So I was curious what Ruffalo was going to do differently. And uh, this doesn't really spoil anything. This doesn't spoil anything because uh, you can see it in, in the trailer here and there. Mm. What Ruffalo does that was so interesting to me was you get nervous around Bruce Banner. 
mm-hmm. because he is nervous. He's got this nervous, twitchy energy in every scene. He's constantly looking around. He's taking a step back. He's constantly shifting his weight like, oh, there's someone. I'm going to walk over here. Mm-hmm. I'm, oh, I'm walking over here now. Okay, because there are people over there. I don't like these military people. I'm going to walk over here now. Mm-hmm. And he's just got this frenetic energy where he looks like someone who, if you push him, might jump, might freak out, might snap. Mm-hmm. And he makes you nervous around him. And I thought that was really effective because I've never seen that physically with Bruce Banner before. Even Bill Bixby, as awesome as he was, really seemed calm until they had to have this moment where suddenly he's getting angry. Whereas Ruffalo seems like he's on an edge. He's teetering. Mm-hmm. Well, it's actually maybe an arc that pulls through from Norton's Hulk movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, it makes complete sense if you've seen, especially the last scene. Yes, uh, yeah. when he's sitting before there in the, the epilogue yep. scene. No, mm-hmm. it, it really makes sense. It, it, all the movies have now carried through into this. Then they weren't just. <coughs> oh, they were these other movies we made, and we're lumping these characters together. No, it's a fully formed universe mm-hmm. that's happened here. Uh, I'm I'm stunned they managed to pull this off with so many writers, so many different directors. But it's mm-hmm. just producers. It's yeah. just someone saying, "No, follow what we're doing." Yeah. And come through with it. Follow through. I mean, one of the best things about Ruffalo to me is just when he is Bruce Banner, he is not sad sack all the time about the fact that he's also the Hulk. He has almost this wry sense of humor about him, you know, that's kind of like is resigned to the fact that this is what the other part of him is. And, you know, and you don't want to see it any more than I want to see it. You know, and I like that, yeah. that tenor he has. Because one thing about even Edward Norton is he has kind of this oh, I'm going to just do this thing now, and I no, don't nobody get me upset because then I'm going to turn this monster, you know, and that's not what Ruffalo has at all. Ruffalo almost has this, you don't want me to be this thing either, so let's just work through this, you know? Well, it's more the Bixby I thing. Mean, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Right, yeah. Sorry, Alan, go ahead. No, I was just saying, like, that it kind of goes with, it's almost two different ideas of dealing with trauma. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, Edward Norton is, is, is the very classically introverted Bruce Banner. Mm-hmm. And Ruffalo's Bruce Banner, like, like I said, he, he seems like he's used to being on a battlefield where everything around him blows up. Right. Uh, which makes sense because he's, he's become consigned to the fact that things around him, you know, at the last minute he might, you know, have someone run into him or like a car hit him or something. Like something could happen that just gets the adrenaline surging. Right. And we're all screwed. Yeah. And but at the same time, he's been dealing with this for in the movie timeline a little exactly. over six years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so it it makes sense that he's developed this kind of weird sense of humor just to stay sane, especially given some of the information he conveys in the uh, in the film. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will say this too: um, Scarlett Johansson, who I feel like in Iron Man two is playing a character called Black Widow, but might as well be anybody. In, yes, she's completely replaceable. Yeah, in this movie, she takes her. She's given so much more to do, and she steps up to the plate in every single she's moment great. that she's, she needs yeah, so to step great. up. Yeah, she is the Black Widow in this movie. You know, and it's clear that Joss Whedon understands who that character is much more than what came before. You know, but she has a history, a deep history that we don't get to see. And Alan was kind of referenced before that is just all there. You know, you know that there's some dark stuff in her past, and you didn't get any sense of that in Iron Man 2. You know, she was kind of just a pretty face who could kick ass. Right, and Which, anyone could have yeah. done... Nick Fury could have said, like, Agent Ricky, I need you to do this. Yeah. And, and they could have done it. <laughs> yeah. And, 
and you could, it's kind of shown the fact that you don't really even need her in Iron Man 2 for her character to make sense being in the, in the Avengers. You know, there's yeah, nothing true. you learn in Iron Man 2 that you don't relearn in Avengers and you learn so much more about her. Her, you know... Her Hannibal Lecter scene. Yeah, everybody yeah. has a scene with Loki at some point in the movie. And right. her scene is just fantastic. There's so much fire and it, the scene is surprising and just well-written and it's two great actors going at each other and it's nice to see her getting that moment. You know, this that's a great moment. Steve, what did you... You said you liked her, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I thought... I, and I agree with you about the whole Iron Man 2 thing mm-hmm. that she just could have been anyone. Yeah. It could have been any one of the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents at any time. Yeah. Um, no, I... I you know, between uh, Ruffalo and Johansson, they just... She... She was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never... I've, I don't... Don't really pay attention to haven't paid attention to her. I don't pay attention to to like Hollywood celebrities all that much mm-hmm. of like who's and what. But this was the like the first movie where I was like, wow. First of all, she's gorgeous. Yes, <laughs> and she's totally capable. Like mm-hmm. she does some really clever and cool stuff in that movie. That is mm-hmm. as a, a female within this group of guys, she certainly stands out and she goes toe to toe with any one of them. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. She's a badass, but now we have reason to believe why she is one. Yeah. And I think that Whedon does a great job of giving the human characters things to do so they, they are substantial in this universe. You see what they're up against. You know, Thor's a god. Iron Man has this crazy armor. You know, the Hulk is the Hulk. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, Captain America is kind of almost the in between there because he is superhuman, but he's not a super you know, crazy yeah. God, you know, I have all the strength in the world. He gets hurt. He gets punched. It hurts him, you know? Um, but what they do with Black Widow and to some extent Hawkeye as well is make you go, wow, these two people are fucking badasses, you know, mm-hmm. because look what they're doing amidst all of this insanity, you know, and they're just people. I mean, what did you think of the way they treated those characters, Alan? Well, I think this is exactly going back to Joss Whedon mm-hmm. <clears throat> because, Joss Whedon knows ensemble casts. He, he knows how to handle it. He, he spent years handling it on Buffy. And the thing about Buffy is that Buffy actually, depending on your point of view, was not necessarily the most interesting character, even though she was the superhero of the team. Mm-hmm. You had Willow, you had Giles, you had Xander, mm-hmm. and each of them was fully fleshed out. And you didn't think to yourself, and, and he took it a step further in Firefly, mm-hmm. even if you have a favorite character, there's no one that seems like they shouldn't be here. Or their dead weight, right? Uh, especially on Firefly, when you had you know close to a dozen characters sometimes on screen, mm-hmm. uh, depending on the story. And he he just knows how to have everyone has a role here to play. Everyone has something to add. Mm-hmm. And also, what are we talking about? There's there's a character arc. So even if logically you can think to yourself, well, Black Widow and Hawkeye maybe not so effective on a team like this you kind of don't care by the point that's happening because you've come to enjoy the characters and you're watching their journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then gives them something to do anyway unexpectedly. Yeah, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And even some of the other smaller characters, you, you get Pepper has a couple of, she's only in it mm-hmm. five, six minutes, yeah. and yet there are, it's a great five or six minutes. You see something between them mm-hmm. that maybe you didn't even see in the Iron Man movie. Yeah. Because it's now a year or two later and mm-hmm. there's something else happening. Yeah. Uh, certainly, you know, Sam's got plenty of stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I, and I think that, that, that it's smart because this isn't a spoiler, spoiler. They start the movie with the people. With the, the regular human characters. It makes you want to see a S.H.I.E.L.D. movie. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I mean... Well, that's coming. Yeah, so that would be great. I mean, I think that... And I think Colby Smulders as Maria Hill has been getting a little bit of flack, I think, in the press a lot of times. And I don't really understand it. She doesn't have, she's not asked to do a lot, but as kind of the second-in-command to Nick Fury, I think that she acquits herself fine with what she's given mm-hmm. to do. You know, and I mean... There's a lot to talk about there, but Alan, did, did you see any weakness in that performance? or what do I you didn't think? see any weakness in yeah. her performance. I thought she did an admirable job as someone who was competent and, and is following uh, her leader. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the difference that comes to her, and people are mistaking as weakness, is she's a person who follows the rules. Right. Uh, which is a carryover from the comics. Maria Hill is someone who follows the mm-hmm. rules, whereas mm-hmm. everyone else in this film, for one reason or another, is a little bit more maverick, especially Nick Fury, frankly. Yeah. And... So I think that stands out as weakness or stiffness, but it's, no, it's a different character viewpoint and one that if they're going to continue to emulate the comics will no doubt create conflict in future stories, be it in a S.H.I.E.L.D. film or Avengers 2. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I, I heard someone, uh, I was talking to a few friends, someone compared her to Meg, a family guy, where it's <laughs> like, it's not that there's anything necessarily wrong with her. It's just she's not as entertaining as the rest of these, and so she seems to be the weak link. Right. And it's, it's just a skewed perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from the movie, I feel like that character is strong. I feel like if she needed to kick somebody's ass, she could do so. You know? Yes. I mean, she faces down Hawkeye when he's, you know, you know, and what, mm-hmm. you know, does fine. So there's a, a lot of stuff going on here. I mean, again, in this movie, you see a lot of people facing down a lot of people. Heroes are fighting heroes, and this is no, you see this in the trailer. Um, and what's interesting to me about those moments is that those little battles between, you know, you see Iron Man fighting Thor in the trailer and stuff, those little battles are nearly as big as the final battles in any of the Marvel movies we've seen yeah. so far. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, we finally got a climactic battle. Like the, yeah. the only climactic battle near to this, although it has flaws, mm-hmm. I love the ending battle of the Hulk movie, Incredible Hulk. Right. Yeah. Because it yeah. felt like a superhero battle to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whereas Iron Man, and certainly Iron Man 2, Iron Man 2 was, was really anticlimactic for me mm-hmm, yeah. um, in, in its final defeat. And, and uh, Captain America was very good. Um, but, and also Thor. Thor versus the Destroyer in the Thor movie like, had, had kind of an unsatisfying end to that fight for me. Yeah. Here, no. This is, this is a battle and this is a war. I mean... What I also love is that it's not just straight on, I fight you, and then I fight this guy. It's left and right. It's frenetic. Right, You yes. jump from this enemy. I mean, anyone who's played a video game has that feeling, much less who's actually been in a fight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the heroes come into different combinations, mm-hmm. yeah. meld their powers in a way that, that the Avengers, you'd expect them to. Yeah. Mm. And especially when it comes from, you talk about the arc of it, it's very early 60s Marvel, heroes fight with each other. Mm-hmm. They get on each other's nerves and stuff happens, and we used to look forward to that. Mm-hmm. And here it was live. Yeah. And yet they overcome that. And so yeah. it's it's a metaphor for, well, real life. We all mm-hmm. disagree, and you find another way around it, and there it was. Yeah. I mean, I think what Whedon does great, too, is that there's a scene near like the you know the middle of the movie where they're all arguing, and even though you know eventually it's going to work out, there's still that feeling of, 
I don't know how they're getting back yeah. from this. I don't know. None of them are agreeing with each other. They all seem to mistrust each other. They all hate each other. Like, what's going to happen here? And that's just great writing because it, it almost fools you. You know, it, you get so wrapped up in what's going on that you kind of forget, you know, what is inevitably to come. And I think that's great. Um, well, it brings back the stakes, too. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, these people need to do this or else we're all screwed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and... Going back to performances real quick, uh, you know, and we're going to get to spoilers very soon, but Tom Hiddleston as Loki, he brought it in Thor, probably my favorite, definitely my favorite villain in the Marvel-produced movies. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, brings it even harder in here, and you mentioned Hannibal Lecter before, and it's a yeah. very apt comparison because, he, you know, when, either when he's caged up or even when he's kind of dissecting these people to, the, them, to their faces, mm-hmm. y- you know that he probably can't He's not going to win physically, but you're always worried he's going to beat them mentally. He's going to do yeah. something, you know, and I, I think that he's spectacular, and I'm so happy that he was the villain in, in this, and his, the army that comes is kind of faceless, but it doesn't matter because he is such a great adversary for that team. Uh, Steve, you loved him in Thor. What do you think of him in this? Oh, he's fantastic. Mm-hmm. He's, he was my favorite villain of the, you know, the Marvel movies, mm-hmm. and he just... He brings such a sinister edge to everything that's going on, mm-hmm. and uh, the fact that he is—he is so devious that he's—he's yeah. he's the trickster. Yeah, yeah. You know, and there were several moments in the film where he does pull one off mm-hmm. on some of the smartest people that we have on the planet. Yeah, and um, just the—it's a credit to Joss Whedon's writing that he can—he can write moments like that for that character. Yeah, and I mean. There were aspects that, like, I still I had to think about, like, after the movie was over, mm-hmm. that I was so busy laughing and yeah. and so busy, like, you know, trying to blink that uh, there were moments that I'd missed with him. And then mm-hmm. on, like, my walk back through Brooklyn, I was like, oh. <laughs> and just so, so clever. And I, I am also very happy that he showed up as the villain uh, for yeah. this. And uh, super excited as to what's to come. Yeah. You know, it's nice they went back again. That's Avengers 1. Mm-hmm. Loki's the reason. Mm-hmm. So it shows, again, what's happened through these movies. It's the respect for the source material. Mm-hmm. We'll diverge here and there because mm-hmm. we're making movies, not writing yeah. comic books. But it's there. It's the love for it. And we'll find a way to shoehorn that in. Yeah. Yeah, and you again, you, you have this the Black Widow Hawkeye thing. That goes way back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. And they found a way... They've got the same backstory, apparently, that they did all those years ago. Yeah. Recast in a new way. It's mm-hmm. there. Alan, what do you think of Hiddleston? You know, what I found interesting about Hiddleston is that <clears throat> he is Loki, but he's Loki in a different mindset. Because mm-hmm. Loki that we saw in Thor uh, had tricks and lied, but wasn't quite the trickster god. Uh, you know, his, his plot was actually con- concerning, you know, some Machiavellian plots, fairly straightforward. Mm-hmm. And most of his stuff was very direct about how he uh, manipulated people. Uh, he also, while he was doing evil, seemed to really be buying into his own belief of, well, this is for the mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Here, it's uh, almost a year later. Uh, I mean, at the end of Thor, he basically went flying off into space. And what he saw, what he encountered, changed him. And as would no doubt did his own perception and selective memory of exactly what happened during the events of Thor. So now we're seeing... Mad God, Chaos God, Loki, mm-hmm. like where he's just, he's got a little bit more of an edge to him. 
He's more desperate and also far more gleeful in what he does. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just the little smile he would grow mm-hmm. on certain scenes was was just enough to le- really let you know he is gone. Yeah. He, he is. We, we are. We are not going to be able to take him back. Like Thor. You know. Okay, Thor. We get it. He's your brother. He he's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Let's stick him in a tree somewhere. Right? Yeah. Those old yeah. Marvel prison idea. Um. Yeah. It delivered greatly on that. I mean, and. Just in, in the last battle, like you were saying before, Alan, like the choreography of it is great because you have a character in Iron Man who can land, fly, do whatever he wants to do in near smooth motion, and they really show that in here. There is a sequence that he's everywhere, you know, and it builds and it builds and it builds, and it delivers so much more than any of the other movies did as far, mm-hmm. in an action way. You know, and it's not even just about the spectacle of it almost. It's just about the fact that they built something up and they delivered on it, you know, and they didn't hold anything back. In the other Marvel movies, I think pretty much across the board, you can probably say, um, oh, yeah, it was great, but I wish I had seen Thor do more of this or Iron Man do right. more of this or Captain America mm-hmm. do more of this. And there's n- you can't say that after this movie's over. You can't say that because... They- this is the they do cooler things in this movie than they did in any of their individual movies. And I think that's really a testament to the fact they're saying this is going to be the biggest movie we do. And you can say that and then not deliver, but they delivered. You know, yeah. th- it makes the other movies look what they're supposed to look like, which is these are the individual character stories that we're going to tell leading into this big event and it doesn't lessen those movies for me, but it shows me that they said they were going to do something and they did it, and it makes me trust them as in a, in a yeah. in the movie sense. Now, what do they do now moving forward with the individual movies? Go more personal. That's what they Go... said they're going to do. Yeah. Okay. But that's fine. Yeah. Um, but I want to get into spoilers. I want to talk about the, the nitty gritty of what happens in the movie. Oh, here we go. Because I don't want if you haven't seen the movie yet, I don't want you shouldn't even know action beats because the surprise and the fun of those is is will sell the movie enough to you. I mean. Uh, for me, it's absolutely a must-see. We ranked the Marvel movies last week on the show. This is number one with a bullet. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Know, there, oh. There's not even any, any chance. I mean, go see it if you haven't seen it yet. It, it totally delivers. I mean, would you agree, Alan? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is just a, it's a great ride, and it lets you know who all the characters basically are, just in case you haven't seen the other movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, would it help? be helpful if you can you knew exactly what the conflict with Loki and Thor was, sure. But right. you can watch it after the fact. Yes. You know, you, this movie doesn't make you feel like you're missing anything, I think. And, and uh, no, I think it's a fantastic, and again, a, it's a full story on its own. Yes. Yeah, that's a very good point. It's a very good thing to point mm-hmm. out. That it is a full story on its own. And seeing their movies kind of gives you more shades to what's going on in some ways. But you can absolutely see this movie if you have not seen the other movies. Sure, you could come in cold, and it, it's again. Stan always wanted people to understand his writers. Once he was gone, that every book is someone's first Marvel comic. So make mm-hmm. sure, make sure that you know their relationships. You know what their powers are. Demonstrated a little bit, mm-hmm. just so you know. I, I, you don't have to have captions all over the place. Let it happen, and it did just very organically. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, um, if this is where you're going to stop listening because you haven't seen it yet. Go out and see it. 
Right um, now, go write this particular yeah, section. Yes, right now. And come back. We'll we'll still be here. So no, now we we're gonna but... we're gonna head into spoiler territory <laughs> here. Um, so let's just get into it. What, what are the things we want to talk about? I'll start out at the very beginning. I think fantastic idea to make Hawkeye the pseudo bad guy for the first bit of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think because if he's in that first hour or so of the movie as hero Hawkeye he wouldn't have much to do because Natasha kind of takes the whole I'm the agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, highly skilled but normal person thing and to split that I think would have been off. It also lets them dig into the Hawkeye Black Widow stuff a lot more without those awkward conversations. Like, why would you be talking about this if Hawkeye's standing right there? Right. You know? What do you think of that move, Bob? Again, it's a throwback to where he began. He was a villain. Mm -hmm. So here he is again and has to be pulled back from the dark side and by the person he cares about. Yeah, absolutely. So that just works so well. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he's very good in this. Renner's good playing this really bad fellow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Steve, what do you think of... Um, I was actually a little bit thrown by him being um, of the villain Mm -hmm. variety. I thought it was weird. Like, I gotta be honest. Like, I didn't... It didn't deter me in Mm -hmm. any way, shape, or form... But when it happened, I was like, oh, <laughs> all right, right. we're going to do that. Yeah. And I just, at first I thought it was, it was weird, and then I got, you know, I got very used to it very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what you're saying makes total sense, and it, it clarifies what mm-hmm. I had, you know, thought just put more eloquently than I could right now. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I, I thought it was strange, but it did does make a lot of sense that if you have those two characters, like they're really, like we said, it was all, all the performances were portioned out correctly for Mm -hmm. lack of a better word, equally. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Everybody had several moments and it seemed like for him, you kind of had to wait for his moments, but when they happened, they, there, there were just as many of them with half of a movie to do them in. Yeah. Then, Mm -hmm. All the other characters throughout mm. the whole film. Yeah. So again, I a credit to the to the writers because yeah. it just he shined in the movie. He wasn't my favorite Avenger, mm-hmm. um, but he was still very he's still a very cool character. Yeah. What, what do you think of that move, Alan? You know, especially seeing it a second time, I think not only was it a good idea, it was absolutely necessary mm-hmm. to also strengthen Black Widow. And to make her more interesting and and not seem weak as a character. Because one interesting thing about Black Widow's arc here is she is not used to this kind of a battle. Not just superhumans, but also really face-to-face. You know, they, they emphasize she's a sure. spy and an, an assassin and a manipulator. So <laughs> a few guys that she knows she can take, yeah, she's used to that, whatever. Even chained to a chair. Even chained <laughs> to a chair. But... You know, it's uh, when she's facing the Hulk, she gets freaked out because yeah. one, this is completely a situation where it's full on, uh, you know, a full on frontal attack. Secondly, none of the manipulation we had seen her do up to that point in the movie can possibly work on the Hulk. Right. He, yeah. he, he, you know, you're not going to have a conversation with him. He's just going to attack. Mm-hmm. And so she has a very natural reaction. Now, in other circumstances, I could see some people saying, well, of course she's freaking out. She's a woman. Da, 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 da. She's a female character. She's weaker. But 
you then have five minutes later Hawkeye coming out from under his spell mm-hmm. and is kind of traumatized. Yeah. And she is helping him deal with this. Mm-hmm. And, and so it now becomes less about, you know, Natasha is freaking out. It's more like, look what Loki is doing yeah. to everyone. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's really effective to help uh, strengthen Natasha. Also, mm-hmm. you have that beautiful shorthand of their previous relationship by the fact that Coulson says Barton's been compromised and you understand a change happens in Natasha. Mm-hmm. That is wonderful shorthand without having to have them have like two or three conversations where we understand mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they've had a previous relationship or something or Nick Fury outright saying, I know you two are close, but which is never as effective. Right, like, yeah. Barton's been compromised, pause. Whatever she's doing is on hold. Screw it. Mm-hmm. I don't care how much time I put into this mission. I will help Barton. Yeah. And it, it is so effective. I also think it sets up that we get excited when Hawkeye gets on our side mm-hmm. because we've mm-hmm. seen how effective he is in screwing us over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and also on that end, I thought it was so great that, you know, when he and Selvig went under control, I kind of assumed it would be a very classic, and now they won't speak. They're just zombies. Because mm-hmm. uh, that happens so often in stories about mind control, whether it's comic books or movies. Like, they mm-hmm. just, their eyes glow or go glassy, and they don't actually speak. Or when they speak, it's a ro- very robotic tone. Yeah. Uh, but they had real dialogue. Mm-hmm. And, and Hawkeye's humor was coming out, much darker now. Mm-hmm. But it was coming out, I thought that was really great. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a really good point. Yeah. That was also, I had that feeling too, like I was surprised when Hawkeye was talking normally to Loki, almost talking to Loki like he was Fury. You know, that that same tenor they had in the beginning conversation with Fury and Hawkeye, he was talking to Loki that same way. So there was no difference. Mm. Um, And it it brings back Loki to being a true god of lies. So it's like, okay, this isn't necessarily, he's hypnotized him, but he's placed some lie in their brain mm -hmm. of, I'm your trusted advisor, I'm your trusted director. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think you're absolutely right. It makes it a big deal when Hawkeye comes back over and gives him a real reason to be part of this battle. You know? Yeah, it needs redemption. Personal. Yeah, it yep. makes it personal. I want to put an arrow in Loki's eye. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. And I think that's great. You know, and one of the things, one of my, my friends, Jeff, he loves the, the movies, but he never, he's never read any of the books. And he saw the trailer, and he's like, what's the guy with the bow and arrow going to do? In this situation, <laughs> yeah. you know? Oh, Jeff. And, but if yeah. you saw that trailer, not reading comic books, and you saw the Hulk, Thor, Iron Man, and Captain America, and then a guy with a bow and arrow, if you didn't know sure. what he could do, yeah. you know, you, you wouldn't know. And so that moment where, well, the moment where he shoots the arrow into the control room and it kind of hacks the computer. Yeah, yeah that was cool. Yeah. He had this moment of, oh, what the fuck? Like, what else can this guy do kind of moment, you know? Right. And that's so classic Stan Lee, Marvel, <laughs> yeah. like, Technology for arrows, you know. Right. Just, it, it's, it's my computer so, hacking so arrow. Wonderful. Like that's that's mm-hmm. totally like Stark Tech arrow or something. Yeah, and the the moment where he's on the rooftop and he doesn't look and he sh- he shoots that that you know the ship down. Yeah. yeah, just a badass moment, you know. And he becomes a badass, a complete badass. Yeah. And and then her moment. Oh yeah, well she has, she has a bunch of great moments. Like she. And that's where it shows that there's no weakness at all when she decides to jump off of Cap Shield and grab yeah. onto yeah. that. That guy, you know. I need a boost. Yeah. <laughs> and even the fact that the two of them tell Cap to go save the other people, they've got this when they've yeah. got, you know, seven or eight people they can see about to attack them, yeah. you know, or monsters, whatever you want to call them. Um, right. Skrulls. Yeah. But we can't, we're not allowed to call them that legally. 
Um, but it was, uh, those moments are great, and it, it really highlights, again, the human characters. And then take the next step up to Steve Rogers at Captain America, who, you know, you get to see him take control of the team. and that, and He's supposed to. Yeah, and that moment where, you know, Iron Man says, Cap, call it. And then he tells everybody what to do. I got chills when he was doing it because not only was it a moment I wanted to see, but it's a moment he pulled off completely. You know, I felt like he knew exactly what he was talking about. There was no doubt in my mind that if they did the things they told him to do, that they were going to come out okay. And it sure worked out okay. Yeah. Though, though the two policemen, that moment is, is just that was so brilliant. choice. Yeah. Why, should, why are we listening to him? And that moment could have awesome. yeah. been really corny, right? Yeah. But he pulls yeah. it off. They pull it off really, really well. Um, yeah. And the whole thing, Cap not knowing the references, you know, I thought they played that stuff. They didn't overplay yeah. it. I knew that one. Yeah. <laughs> but it didn't make him into melancholy, sad. He had those moments. Yeah. But, okay, in this new company, mm-hmm. he allowed himself to, to lighten up a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, also, I like the observation that of all places, S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to be a comfortable place for him because he's comfortable with the military. Right. Yeah, yeah Absolutely. And I, the, 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 the $10 moment where he hands him the money. <laughs> yeah. It's just offhandedly. Yeah. You know, and him knowing the Wizard of Oz reference, which we mentioned before, which I, I just think is great. And you get the – there are things I was looking for. I wanted to see him battle with Tony Stark, you know, yeah. over the differences in the character and not mm-hmm. – and I love that the thing that bothers him the most is not all the technology he can handle that. It's that people are different. You know, yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's great, and that's a, it's a little line, and you might think of it as a throwaway line, or you might think of it as, oh, what are they doing this line in a comic book movie for? But he has that line, you know, um, when I when I went to sleep, we were at war. When I woke up, they told me they, we'd won, but they didn't tell me what we'd lost. That's, you know, it's a great, it's beautiful. a great line, and what does it, you know, is it a little serious? Yes, but that's who that character is, mm-hmm. and I think that that's the thing about Whedon the most is he understands who everybody is. Well, I think the other great Cap moment, well, there are so many for all of them, so we, I shouldn't keep saying that. Um, Thor and Iron Man going at it, and he, Cap shows up on, what, a, a tree or whatever, and yeah. it's just like, yeah. knock it off. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's with you guys? Yeah. You know, we got something to do here. Don't you get it? Yeah. And which, is, which is great, because, I mean, it's, it's the 60s hero mentality of we all fight versus the golden age mentality of we're here in this together. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're all buddies here. And I love that they went for, look, Thor's a god. Mm-hmm. And, okay, that hammer of his has nothing on that shield. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes a mess, but it, you yeah. not getting past it. And that's interesting too. My friend Jeff again, not a big comic book guy. You know, he their fight that that, that Thor gets right him with that hammer, and he goes, "What the hell is Captain America gonna do?" <laughs> you know. And after that moment, he goes, "Huh, that's interesting." <laughs> like that, they all have a thing. You know, there's all mm-hmm. the, everybody has a thing that can't be beaten or that they can use to take them off you know and though the one thing i didn't get to see and i said it to you as we left though but you pointed out how they did highlight it the hulk trying to pick up thor's hammer which happened a lot mm-hmm. and he'd always get frustrated right but there is a marvel moment it's i don't know maybe it's the korvax saga where cap picks up thor's hammer there it's uh it actually happened much later um, okay it happened uh when he was the captain and, okay and, yeah after uh, after watergate and all that other chance yeah, he, yeah. This, this was in, in the 80s yeah. uh, where he was wearing the black costume and I forget what alien race, but they were attacking uh, where Cap and, and Thor were. And at one point, Thor gets separated from his hammer and Cap 
knows he can't lift it, but thinks maybe he can drag it. Does the spell prevent me from mm. dragging it? And, and he's hoping he can drag it to Thor to get it to him, and instead picks it up and starts whooping ass with the damn <laughs> hammer. And, and then if he, hands if, it back if he to be Thor. worthy, mm. and there's the key. Yeah, which which I, I admit, I also thought to myself, it would have been cool to see that. But you know what? You got to save stuff for Avengers too. Yeah. Okay. I'm w- I'm willing to wait. We'll we'll play it up a little bit more. You know, I yeah. mean, same thing with Avengers Assemble. Like at first, it was bothering me that I didn't hear that um, mm. in the movie. But then again, I was thinking this is really the first time they're forming as a team, and it's really impromptu. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it Thor and and Hulk weren't even there for the conversation about Avengers. So they wouldn't know what the hell oh, yeah. that meant. Right. <laughs> so, so you know, I, I kind of forgive it uh, this time. But again, like, it, it, it just makes me think, okay, we got to have that in Avengers 2. Yeah. But we had the assemble moment. What's another spine-chilling moment is the five of them in that circle and the, oh, yeah. the pan around. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, it, gives me, yeah. it gave me chills. I cheered. It was one of the ones yeah. I cheered in the movie. You know, and we were in a cheering crowd, so... Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah, so that happens, but... My crowd was ridiculous. One more that, time that's why I had to see it again today, because mm-hmm. like, opening night crowd after the marathon, Yeah, like, there, there were a few lines I was missing, because everyone was just cheering or laughing their <laughs> yep. asses off. Yeah. Um, well, still, I saw the second time afternoon on a Saturday, and people were still cheering so loud after Hulk um, beats the hell out of Loki... <laughs> that I still couldn't hear him say puny god. Uh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> still couldn't hear it. It's such a great moment, though, so I don't really care. But one, we're gonna, I want to talk about the Hulk real quick, but uh, one more little cat moment. When Tony f- is falling down from, like, the other dimension, Cap says, son of a gun. Yeah. yeah. You know? And that's just, it's just a great, it's just a little itty-bitty moment, but it gives a color to that character. Yeah. Uh, another little Cap and mm. Iron Man moment uh, for all you video game nerds out there. I believe it was uh, X-Men Legends that one of the moves they pull during the big battle is Iron Man mm. blasting his his chest ray mm. into the into the shield. Yeah, well, yeah. That, was, that was a move. Mm. I mean, I'm sure he's done it in the comics, yeah. maybe, but in the video game, that was like your, your primary team mm-hmm. move that you would right. do that you could reflect it off. Was it Ultimate Alliance? Yeah. Ultimate Alliance. Yeah, Ultimate, Ultimate Alliance. Alliance. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that well, that's, that's the Tony scene. I'm, the Iron Man scene I'm talking about. He, he, you know, he helps out Black Widow, yep. and then he flies down, lands, helps out Captain America, flies up, helps Hawkeye, meets yeah. up with Thor. You know, it, it, it's just this crazy continuous battle sequence. But you never lose the choreography. This isn't know. a Transformers movie. Where what happened? That. Where what's going yeah, on? Where what are we confused. doing here? Yeah. And and the the giant snake ships, whatever you yeah, want to call yeah. those have such mass. It's like watching a Japanese Godzilla movie. There's, yeah. there's a giant thing moving as slowly as it should, being mm-hmm. a city block long. Yeah. It crashes into things. The, the bricks in them fall with the proper weight. Yeah. And it's like, this is a threat. These machines are a threat. And when the portal opens and you see from the other side, there are hundreds of them coming. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what do we do now? Yeah. We're really in deep doo-doo here. Alan, you were going to say something, I think? No, I, I, I was just saying, like, it, you never got confused mm-hmm. during yeah. the fight, which is so essential. Because that was the thing, like, with, with Transformers sometimes, um, it happened less in the third one. Uh, but, but in the first one, there was times like, is that his arm? Is that his head? Like, yeah. what's happening? Like, especially if two characters are, like, basically wrestling, mm-hmm. you know, people were just not sure, like, who's winning this fight? What just happened? Did he just cut off his arm or cut off his head? What just happened? <laughs> Where, whereas here... It's frenetic. It's full of motion. Mm-hmm. 
but you see clearly everything that's happening. Cap just sliced that gun in half with his shield. Mm-hmm. Thor just threw a car at they, these five guys. Yeah. Hulk is mashing people together and then just <laughs> took a fin and slammed it into the snake's own hide. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, you you were aware of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Hulk plays incredibly well. You know, it's just... Pun intended. Yeah, yeah, pun intended. <laughs> I mean, that moment where Banner shows up and the thing's coming closer and closer yeah. and closer, and he's like, oh. I'm always angry. And then he turns to the Hulk and he just punch and stops it, basically dead, right, from this huge ship. And it's, again, another cheering moment. And then you get to see the Hulk doing the things you want to see the Hulk do. You know, he's fly- jumping everywhere, he's, he's mashing heads in, he's, he's stopping ships. It's, it's great, you know? And he looks great, too. The, the effects are better than they've been. You know, I believe... That character, and I think it helps too that Ruffalo did a lot of the motion capture. Well, he doesn't look like the really cut bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. He's a massive character. He's got muscles, obviously. He's just yeah. massive, and it is a gruffer-looking face because mm-hmm. again, they, Norton did it the last time. Yeah, but but Ruffalo does seem right. Yeah, I wasn't sure about that coming <laughs> in. I know he's a good actor and all, but yeah, yeah. the other the other guy was in my head now. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. Yeah, no, not mm-hmm. either. Uh, well, you know, what do you think of the Hulk, Alan? I thought it was fantastic. I thought I thought uh, it was an interesting choice to me to to bring him more to kind of a, a throwback idea of uh, like kind of how they they phrased him in in the Stanley original comics, but also in the David uh, Banner Bill Bixby series uh, that he's a proto human, so mm-hmm. he seemed kind of simian at times, mm-hmm. and I thought that was an interesting choice. But the biggest thing about the Hulk to me was that. You, you really made it the most accurate to the comic books and especially to the new Avengers cartoon series where you remember the Hulk is not just a monster, he's also a dick. <laughs> <laughs> and that came out beautifully. Yeah. You know, just not only punching Thor... <laughs> That's great. ...with that a sucker so punch, great. but then his face afterwards, he gives a satisfied <laughs> smile to himself <laughs> yeah. as people will do after they've done something cool or proven a point to themselves. <laughs> right, yeah. You know? Absolutely. And, and I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, I love, uh, you know, his his solution to Iron Man is asleep is yell at him. <laughs> um, you know, just, just constantly. And, and uh, you know, grabbing enemies and slamming them into each other, mm-hmm. using them as bats, basically. Like, it... You, you've got to have that cool little, um, that kind of a jerk factor to it, I think. Because the Hulk, when he's done really well or is, is fitting the hero role as opposed to the monster role, you connect to that wish fulfillment fantasy if he's doing things that you would do, mm-hmm. you know, and or that you would do if you could get away with it. And that's the thing. He can get away with it. He can absolutely yeah. get away with it. Who's right. going to tell him later, dude, that was a sucker punch? <laughs> like. <laughs> You know, yeah. so I I think Joss Whedon played that beautifully. I did want at some point for him to say another line or something. I do like uh, that Edward Norton was having the Hulk say a couple of lines. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't even talk throughout the whole film, but I would like a little more Hulk dialogue. Um, I, was, I really thought at some point he would be looking at the big snakes and scream strongest one there is and like yeah. smash their teeth in or something. Mm-hmm. Uh but you know, it, it was it was just so so well done, and also again, showing how he can be part of a team, and and mm-hmm. uh, I love that they brought in even before that scene, the idea again that the Hulk has a conscience, and mm-hmm. is not completely out of control because I mean that old man mentions 
you know, it's not mm-hmm. necessarily luck. It was aim right. that he lands in this empty place where mm-hmm. he's not going to hurt anyone. Right, right, which is the idea that came at the end of Incredible Hulk. Maybe I can aim him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's also yep. something that's been brought up in the mainstream Marvel comics a lot. You know, the Hulk does these rampagers, but innocent people don't get killed. Why? Because there's something in Bruce Banner that's still working, calculating... Mm-hmm. Uh, trajectory and strength level and and ricochet effect to make sure that people get knocked out and maybe hospitalized who are his enemies, but other people do not get hurt. Yeah, right. he's going to smash General Ross's tanks the little itty bits, but the guys inside will end up all right. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Shaken out first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fling well, it mean, over the mountains. He could have killed that pilot, you know, in, in that plane. Yeah, he catches yeah, him he... and then he throws him, um, but he doesn't kill him. You know. Steve, you want to and say he something? doesn't. He, and he grabs him with enough strength to hold him, but not with enough strength to ruin the parachute. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Steve, um, yeah, I just I was trolling around online looking at um, some of the things that people were saying while we're talking about the Hulk, and one of the things that I'd come across that I was actually thinking of um, was that the first transformation that we see of the Hulk in this film mm-hmm. that he doesn't seem to have much control right. over what he's doing. I mean, he, he practically destroys the, the helicarrier. Yeah. He practically takes mm-hmm. the whole thing out with mm-hmm. him. But then later in the movie, when he transforms again, he seems to be like collected and have more of his wits about him. And he's not so much... He, I mean, he is a raging monster, yeah. but he knows what side he's on and what he's doing, that what happened in his character, that he was so uncontrollable one moment... And then the next moment, he's completely, you know, as much as he can be in control of himself. Mm. That did they ever really give you a reason as to why there was Loki. such disparity? I Loki. Th- it's Loki. I think so. I think I think part of it is Loki. I think part of it is also um, it's easier to call a genie out of a bottle than to put him back in. Mm-hmm. Like he he wanted the Hulk to come out and face the snake, so he just let him out. Right. Whereas the in the other situation. The Hulk wanted to come out, but he wanted to keep him back in. And mm-hmm. so you now have a fight between the two of them. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, also, the other situation was, you know, he was he was getting paranoid uh, thanks to Loki and thanks to the revelations about S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and here is the here is uh, Scarlett Johansson as an object of his paranoia. So, yeah, he, he attacks her. Yeah. Whereas the other situation, he sees this horror, and Bruce Banner, you know, and they, it, they've kind of done it in the Hulk. Like, he, the Hulk attacks what Bruce Banner sees as enemies. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, Bruce Banner saw giant snake and monsters as, as enemies, not the Avengers. He's, he's helping them out, and Hulk carried that emotion with him. Right, yeah, absolutely. There you go. That's exactly yeah, right. Beautifully put. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's... It, what I loved, too, is that Mark Ruffalo... As Bruce Banner, it's the first time I think any of the movies, even though I like the Edward Norton movie, where I'm not just waiting for the Hulk to come out. You know, mm-hmm. I liked Mark Ruffalo so much as Bruce Banner, and what I said about Robert Downey Jr. on the last podcast being the first person in a hero movie who was supposed to be a genius who felt like a genius to me. Same thing in this movie. When Bruce Banner is Bruce Banner, 
I believe he is a super genius. At last, somebody who speaks English. You know, <laughs> yeah. Line from that was a beautiful moment. Mm. Yeah. I just also want to point out that if somebody asked me what my favorite moments of the film were, one of the top ones would definitely be the conversations between Tony Stark and Bruce Banner inside yeah. of the Shield Lab. Oh yeah, yeah. Those like like five seven minutes where mm. they were just going back and forth about each other's egos mm-hmm. and their genius yeah. was fantastic. Yeah, I was totally immersed in that scene. I loved it. And I love that Tony's talking like this scientific mumbo jumbo, which I don't know if any of it's re- accurate <laughs> or not. But and Bruce is talking the same, and they don't dumb it down at all. You know, if you don't understand what's going on, that's fine. But this is how they would talk to each other in the situation. And I really feel like these are the two smartest guys in the room. You, you know, yeah. and not because anybody tells me they are, but because I can just tell by the way that they're acting. And I think that's fantastic. And and it's like I said, I, I didn't. I when the Hulk came out, very happy, very excited, very cool. Yeah. But I was really enjoying just watching Bruce Banner doing mm-hmm. his thing. You know, well, his opening sequence with Scarlet. Yeah. There's there's Bruce Banner. Mm-hmm. There's that side of the character, the guy who is trying to hide, trying to move away from all this mm-hmm. by being as far from yeah. Western society as he can, and he's pulled back in, not willingly. No, not at all. But makes that work, too. Yeah. He is a really good person. He knows he is. He, mm. He's got to struggle, though. Yeah, absolutely. And he's aware of how dangerous he is and, mm-hmm. and the kind of fear that he can inspire in others. I mean, he he points out, like, you know, you, I hope you're not here trying to kill me because that's not going to work out. <laughs> and, <laughs> tried and, that already. <laughs> you know, and then also freaking her out on purpose mm-hmm. uh, just to see how she'll react. Like, this is an understandable character trait for someone who's been on the run and is constantly trying to avoid military or spies or whoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought they played up the Thor-Loki relationship very well, the kind of conflicted nature of Thor in this situation because he wants to beat Loki, absolutely, but Loki's also his brother. And he still has those feelings. And you get that, one of my favorite lines in the entire movie, which is, you know, they're, they're bad-mouthing Loki, and he oh, says, yeah. you know, you watch your tongue. He's an Asgardian. He's my brother. And they say, he's killed 80 people in two days. He's adopted. You know, it's just... Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> um, it's like, well, wait, I don't want you to think I'm like him either. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but in their conversations which he's with each other, you get the feeling that there's still a little bit of that arrogance in Thor that he's better than we are. Right. Because Loki is trying to pull out, to, you want to protect these people. Mm-hmm. And, and he's still sort of, he needs to be grounded with it. And mm-hmm. maybe it's the battle with Loki that forces that on him, that he is one of us somewhat, in some way. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that fight between Thor and Iron Man, I think, is a lot of fun and important. Because yeah. it shows you that, you know how strong Thor is. It shows you that Iron Man can, at least at, for spurts, reach that level of strength when he needs to. Yes. And that's a good thing to, it's an important thing to show. I love that we got the Thor-Hulk fight because I was I was excited for that the moment mm-hmm. they announced the movie to get to see that fight and I think like you said Alan the the, the sucker punch is a great way to kind yeah. of cap off that fight even though it happens you know much later yeah <laughs> still laughing about it yeah <laughs> actually and now the, the Cap Loki one early yeah where you get the insight into Captain America that it doesn't matter that he's a god or that he can do all these things he yeah. has this staff that can wipe out civilizations I don't care I'll find a way yeah and they don't shy away from the kind of almost passe things about Captain America. He has that line, 
um, there's only one God, ma'am, and I'm pretty sure he isn't dressed like that, you know? (laughs) If Tony Stark said that, well, obviously it would be sarcastic and weird, Mm -hmm. but if, you know, if any other regular character said that, it maybe wouldn't play as well, you know? No, it's forthright. It's what Cap would say. Absolutely. Yeah, he's earnest. He's earnest in everything he says. He's earnest in calling Black Widow ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just so happy that it all came together the way it did. And I mean, I think we should probably talk about the the mid-credit tease. Um, before we do that, the end of the credits thing is plain hilarious. Yeah. When they're just yeah. sitting there eating the shawarma stuff and they don't speak <laughs> the entire time. Just chow down. I had people in my audience. First of all, I should just probably tell everybody. I saw it um, in Manhattan at mm. the AMC midnight premiere. So I had a pretty rambunctious uh, city crowd. <laughs> At mine and people standing on top of their chairs during scenes. I thought the guy next to me was going to explode. <laughs> Everything that happened in that movie, he had a comment for in a good way, though. I didn't right, mind. Yeah. Like it was. It's when you're sitting in the movies and people are talking through it, you can't stand it. Mm-hmm. But when it's because of enthusiasm and just like this was obviously his favorite characters up on the screen right. doing what he wanted them to do. But I mean, he's like pulling his hat down over his head. He's slapping his knees. He's getting up on his chair and he's like shaking his seat. He got up and he grabbed his seat and he started like going up and down. He's like, ah! But um, I totally forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> no, it was, it, was a, it was a good time. The uh, Oh, no, the scene, yeah, people, pe- there were people in the audience that were like, what is this shit? Oh, the last oh, scene? I fucking, I waited, I waited for this. What is-? And then other people, you know, shut up, sit down. Yeah. It was so funny. Yeah, there- oh, yeah, I mean, we, we had like half the audience laughing and half the audience shushing us like, Shh, they're going to say something, they're going to say something. <laughs> Shh, they're going to say something. Then it ended like, what? What? <laughs> I have to see it again tomorrow because I missed so much because I was so busy laughing. Yeah. That was another thing about the movie, which I knew because it was Joss Whedon that it mm. was coming, but it was so damn funny. funny. Yeah. It was hilarious. Yeah. On like so many, like all the little tiny, even the little digs. Mm-hmm. Coulson, he had some great moments. Agent yeah. Coulson. Yeah. He was, he was, I've always liked him. Mm. I was like, no. Yeah. But yeah. Um, oh, yeah, we should talk about that too. For yeah, we probably yeah, should. I, the ultimate for, spoiler. Well, yeah, I think I mean, he, was, he was filling in for like the, the comic book fan too. I think yeah. like his reaction towards Captain America. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh. yeah, if we were in a room with Captain America, we'd kind of be freaking out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, it's so funny because basically, when Joss Whedon got the gig directing the Avengers, they asked Clark Gregg, "So, are you going to die in this movie?" Because <laughs> Joss Whedon loves to kill characters that people love. That's what he does. You yeah. know, and he was like, "No, they got plans for me for oh, so many more movies," and of course, <laughs> kills him. And it's a, it's so effective because it's the it's the character you care the most about that also you can afford to kill in the movie mm-hmm. without ruining. He's, like, he's been the linchpin of all the other movies. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's also it's sort of so symbolic. It's like okay, that first stage is now over. Now we're going to this next stage. So the yeah, next person to do that, Sharon Carter, maybe? Do we throw in? I don't know. From don't know. Ca- that's from Captain America. It's Peggy Carter's well niece. If we go back far enough, but now it's have to be granddaughter. Yeah. So many years have passed. <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah, it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be uh, Grant. Gotcha. Um, and 
So, but then the mid-credits uh, teaser. Yes. Which I feel barely yeah. able to talk about because I don't know that much about this character. But, uh, oh. but Bob, oh, I, I, go ahead. Go ahead, Steve. I think I might have wet myself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it's obviously it's Thanos. Yeah, who's the, as big a cosmic character as you can have in this Marvel universe mm-hmm. on the villain side, not counting the, the Eternities and the real entities. Right. And right, he, those are abstract cosmic forces right, where this is he's a, actually a villain. Just a badass who basically wants everything to die. Mm-hmm. He has his deal with death and I'll present everyone in the universe dead for you. How do you like that? <laughs> and I, I sort of knew it was coming. I said to you before because it was San Diego two years ago where they showed the Infinity Gauntlet mm-hmm. hanging out on the set and oh, this is going to be really big. Right. And because they have up the stakes by showing you Asgard mm-hmm. and space war on Earth, mm-hmm. it's, that's, it's the next likely step. But Alan, did you feel as I did, he's standing on these floating sort of Ditko rocks? <laughs> you know, the, the sort of other dimension that Steve Ditko right. would have drawn. And, and if they are going to do Doctor Strange, we could tie all this together into something really spectacular. I mean, I, I've been waiting for a Doctor Strange movie for a while, and, and that could certainly happen but uh you know i mean it's it's all it's it's ditko rocks it's also a kind of a classic ron Lim effect uh okay. when when he was writing when he was drawing things with jim starlin in some of the most famous thanos stories like the infinity gauntlet mm-hmm. and uh i mean we're we're setting up so many other things that you could you could go into different directions i mean it doesn't even have to necessarily be the infinity gauntlet and avengers too you might save that for Say Avengers three and have <laughs> Thanos get the cube and really unleash its power completely. Mm-hmm. Um, or there are the other items in, in Odin's vault because if you look in Odin's vault and Thor, there is, is the Infinity Gauntlet sitting there, and mm-hmm. there's also the Twilight Sword and the Warlock's Eye and a couple of other uh, items that most of which signify the end of Asgard if they're unleashed. <laughs> yeah. So I think Thor 2 is going to do a lot to set up Avengers 2 in, in mm-hmm. the same way that Thor Captain America really set up Avengers. Right. Um, I mean, we got a couple. Uh, John Clegg on Twitter, Sodbuster7, he said, who was the guy in the last shot of the movie? I don't know, and I feel like I missed something. And kind of in tandem with that, um, we got a comment from Sol Invictus on uh, our our, our uh, comment board here and uh, says, first and foremost I'm a DC fan and a general rule I don't get into a lot of Marvel stuff but I love the movie I thought that the characters were given exactly enough time and it was truly enjoyable I was just wondering what you thought your thoughts were on the Thanos teaser at the end not knowing a ton about the Marvel Universe will he be a formidable enough foe for the Avengers and also should they add another member for the next film so it's a two part question hmm. so um, I'm Alan will he be formidable enough and if he is formal enough, should the Avengers be adding another team member for the next movie? He absolutely is formal enough. You're talking about a guy who's a scientist. Uh, like, the way that Tony Stark is with technology, Thanos is with cosmic forces. Like, mm-hmm. he figures out how to harness incredible cosmic forces and steal people's powers and, and break into other dimensional realms like Asgard through his own science. Uh, on top of that, because of uh, being born a, a mutant among his race, and because of bionics he's uh, increased his body with, he has Hulk-level strength, practically, and, and resistance to injury. So you're talking about someone who's both brilliant and powerful. Mm-hmm. And along with that, 
like we were saying, uh, he is is kind of this death worshiper, and has repeatedly offered death at least half the universe. Uh, so you're dealing with someone who really can't be reasoned with too well, and and is terribly cunning and remorseless. So all of that, he's been in physical confrontations with Thor, Iron Man, and the Hulk at once, and has been beating them to a standstill, if not like outright defeating them because he got some cosmic weapon on his side. Now, that's just him by himself. If you go into the Infinity Gauntlet, which is an item that essentially makes you God, like, yeah, that, that's a huge thing. Um, even if he's just going after it, even if he doesn't possess it, but the idea of the movie is we're trying to prevent Thanos from getting the Gauntlet. Mm-hmm. Those are huge, huge stakes. Right. And he could still uh, end so, up with the Tesseract, yeah, the Cosmic Cube, too. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. So, yeah, he's formidable. Absolutely, you should add more people. I would love to see a Captain Marvel film where halfway through Captain Marvel, the first Marvel comics, Captain Marvel dies and and has his power transferred to Carol Danvers, yes. who became Ms. Marvel and now is getting her own book as Captain Marvel herself. Mm-hmm. I would and and have her set up then to join the Avengers as someone who's super powered and in the military, which is something they haven't quite gotten yet. They're close with Cap, right? But Carol is is truly like Superman level abilities. Mm-hmm. That that could definitely work, and you you could you're tying in then the cosmic aspect of it. Okay, mm-hmm. there's a cosmic protector from this other race. Are they allowed to use the Kree? Um, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, okay. they should have the rights. Yeah. Yeah, they lost the scroll though, right? That's part of the FF deal. I've right. heard. The, so okay. so Fox has the scrolls. Okay. So we can have a Kree Shatari war or whatever, and it could work out. And then sure. Marvel shows up as part of that, ends up just you're saying that it's brilliant to have him die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have him die because like one, that's something that the movies really haven't dealt with. Two, that's honestly the thing that Marvel is most famous for. Is dying. <laughs> yeah. Like he, because I mean, for uh, for a couple of generations of fans, his death was something that happened before they started reading comics. It was in the early '80s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was spectacular where it happened. Mm-hmm. Was that? It wasn't the first oversized graphic novel. It was pretty close in that period, right? It was maybe the first direct one. I think. I think it was the first one to direct market. The yeah. first one, I believe, was New Mutants. Yes. Uh, yeah, the Marvel. Bob McCloud yeah. one. Yeah. Um. So that's well. That's good to know because uh, that sounds like a very formidable villain for the Avengers to take on. Yeah. yeah. And, oh, he's psychotic. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Well, you even see a hint of that, even that little teaser, because it says to him to to attack the Earth is to court death, and he smiles. You know, he yeah, does. yeah, which makes complete sense. Like, I don't mean like he worships death as an ad, like he loves death. Right, should be at and, his side with the cloak yeah, like, and the oh, scary stuff. And now, yeah, do we yeah. bring his dad in and Drax and all the rest of it, or is this getting to be too? Insane. I, you you got to bring up at least his mom because, I mean, this is a character who, because he's a mutant, you know, eventually he figured out, well, you know, what made me so different? And so he basically arranged uh, this emergency to happen. So everyone was, like, freaking out and the town was freaking out, like, the, the city, rather, uh, and is checking on all this emergency. And therefore, while everyone's busy and everyone's distracted, he found mommy and killed her. Yeah. And dissected her to try and figure out <laughs> was there something about her that made me born the way I was. Yeah. He's not a nice guy. He this really doesn't is sound sounds like a good old fashioned villain to right. me. Yeah, this is not yeah. the sort of noble Doctor Doom or even right. Magneto. It's like uh, there's a reason I'm doing this. I, right. There's no, no. I just a creep. 
I mean, I hope with the intro, I hope we get the Doctor Strange movie. Absolutely. And I hope the Edgar Wright Ant-Man movie happens before the next yeah, Avengers I'd love movie. Because I would love to see uh, Ant-Man in the next Avengers movie. Yeah. And, it, for, and those who would say, oh, how do you do that? They don't have enough power to, to be in this movie. Well, neither did Hawkeye and no. the Black Widow. And with the right writing, mm-hmm. it works. I mean, he has to be Ant-Man, I think Giant-Man. He can't just be one or the other. I think I'd like mm-hmm. to see him being able to do both. But Yeah, that's no problem. Yeah. I mean, there could be some pretty badass stuff right there and scale, and I just love that. What, a 15-foot-tall giant mm. man? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, you know, again, 10 years ago, they're already making good comic book movies. They never would have, been, they never would have done this 10 years ago. The, without Marvel in charge of their own property, they would have been, they would have been changing things. They, they were scared to do cosmic things. They were scared right. to do the weirder aspects of the universe. Mm-hmm. And now Marvel's saying, hey, look, as long as you do it, you do it well, people are going to go see it. They just made the highest grossing opening weekend of all time um, by $30 million, you know? And with positive reviews. Oh, great reviews. From critics and word of mouth yeah. from people having seen it. And that's civilians, too, yeah. not just us. And A people plus seen cinema, it multiple times, yeah, too. Yeah, multiple times. A-plus cinema score, and that barely ever happens, you know? So it's, it's insane the amount of buzz and good feeling behind this movie. Um, the inevitable backlash will happen. You know, they're, people are going to start picking it apart. I've and, already run into one person. And it, for me, it's just... That's to be ignored. Hate if you want to hate, that's fine. But it's undeniable the joy and fun that's in this movie, if nothing else. You know, you know? The, the chief complaint was that there was nothing to care about. Well, Can you believe oh, that? gee, all of New themselves. York is being destroyed, <laughs> right? Earth them. is being invaded. <laughs> nothing to care about but everything. Alan, what was that? I think that got lost. <laughs> Go screw yourself. <laughs> okay, yeah. They yeah, have. Like, uh, what are you talking about? Like we we just spent an hour talking about the beautiful character arcs. Yeah, yeah. I, what can I tell you? There, there's an option to give the person a little a uh, little heart or a little poop symbol. Mm-hmm. I gave him the poop. You gave him yeah. the poop. Nice. Yep. nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think it was like the New Yorker review or something. It goes all the all the action and whatever will make you will stop you from thinking about what it all means, which is nothing. You know. No, they're just someone who wanted to hate it went yeah. in and hated it. It's also get your head out of your own ass, you know. Yeah. If you if you want to criticize the movie for things that are wrong with it, I personally think the only quibble I have with the entire movie is that I feel like the Doctor Selvig line that he goes like, "Oh, maybe I didn't know what I was doing. I put a failsafe." It just feels rushed to me. It feels like there should have been a there's a scene somewhere that right. sh- that showed some not him somebody be able to fight at least in some little mm-hmm. way the mind control. But you know, I think Hawk, that's fair. you know, but Hawkeye's about to kill Black Widow, you know, and they're as close as you could possibly yeah. be. So that's the only little, and it's a little nitpick, but it's the yeah. one little thing that bought, only only little thing that made me took me out of the movie for a millisecond, you know. And there's right. probably a deleted scene with just what you're talking about in it. Yeah. Probably, yeah. Well, he's he's talked about putting deleted scenes back into the film for the DVD. Well, that will yeah. be amazing. Yeah. I hope it's like an hour more because I didn't want this movie to end, even though it was about three in the morning yeah. and we left. I think it's at least like fourteen minutes more. Oh wow, that'll be awesome! Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm so happy. I'm gonna see it. I'm gonna see it at least two more times. It's gonna be at least four. I times can't wait to see it again. This whole time we've been talking about yeah. it, I'm like, Arr. yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was the thing when we we left uh, um, the movie theater. All I wanted to do, I wanted to just watch it again. Mm-hmm. A- and. I felt a lot like this when I saw uh, the Star Trek reboot a couple of years ago. I mean, I like this movie more than that, but I loved that movie, and that's how I felt about that movie. I just wanted to see it again, and 
it's the highest praise I can give to it. I mean, we've been talking about it for over an hour now, and it's I, I could talk about it for an hour more. Should, you know, <laughs> should we attempt the ranking? This is certainly the best Marvel movie. Yeah, I I would tell you this is the best superhero movie ever made because this went for comics completely unbridled, mm-hmm. as big as the Nolan Batman movies are, mm. or, or Donna's Superman back then, which was such a leap forward mm. after the Batman television show. This is just what we're all saying. It's the cosmic giant scale things. It is not watered down. It is not synthesized into something different. These mm. are Stan and Jack's characters mm-hmm. written large on the screen, doing their signature stuff mm. in a way. And because of that trust they had in this source material, they took in $200 million yeah. on a great, involving, funny, dramatic, sad, in mm-hmm. one particular instance, with characters you care about. Each one of them, beyond they have big action moments, all have character moments. Yeah. There's a reason all of them do these things. We see it. Mm-hmm. It isn't, uh, we'll have that conversation. I'll tell you why I feel this way. No, it's there. Mm-hmm. In, in, a, in, a, in an old-fashioned movie shorthand way, it's just, your actions tell me who you are. Right. And the casting of it, what do we think here? What, what is, is, do I have a decent postulate or, or do I need to I don't think get a lobotomy? Far off at all, but I mean, to be, tell you the truth, this is exactly what I hoped would happen when they said Joss Whedon was making the movie. When they said that he was going to make the movie, that he was going to direct it, he was going to rewrite the script, mm-hmm. this is the, the ultimate result that I was hoping for. And for as many people who like Joss Whedon, for this many people to now see, like, this is what this guy can do when he's always been capable of doing. And he, you know, I love Joss Whedon. I, I didn't want characters talking like Buffy or Xander or, you know, I didn't want, he has too much respect and love for these characters to fit them into that box. They talk like themselves, but the dialogue is so sharp and the character interactions are so real, you know, and he puts stakes in every moment and, to me, you brought the Nolan Batman movies. The Nolan Batman movies, this movie is like the polar opposite of a Nolan Batman movie. It's even hard to compare them in a lot of ways for sure. me. You know, because this movie... Im- I feel like the Nolan Batman movies have made their mark for being fantastic Batman movies and making Batman into a great movie character. But I don't feel like the Nolan movies are necessarily... They don't feel to me like comic book movies. They feel to yes. me like... You know, he has great respect, obviously, for what happened in the books, but they feel to me like Michael Mann movies, you know? Yeah, they're dark adventures. You know, it's like Heat. You know, if if, if it was Batman and the Joker instead of Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, you know what I mean? So that's what I feel about this. Um, I have to see it more times and have a little more distance from it to be able to say exactly what I feel. Do I, I don't know if it's the best one, but it's certainly the one I enjoyed the most. It's certainly my favorite one, you know? So that's what I have to say. Alan? You know, I, I think I'm with you on, on just, I can't really compare the Nolan Batman films mm-hmm. with this. Like, it's such a different flavor. I mean, it, it's like, you know, well, is, is Star Trek TOS as good as Battlestar Galactica? Well, it's totally different audiences. You right. Know, as is Doctor Who compared to Deep Space Nine or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but uh, it's it's really such an enjoyable thing and such a fun thing, you know. Uh, I, I want Chris Nolan films to get excited in a certain way and to think this one I would watch it where I'm just like, dude, let's grab some beers and some barbecue and just watch <laughs> some badass action happening yeah. with some really great dialogue 
and some really cool character moments. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Steve, what about you? Uh, what do you want to know? <laughs> what do you think? How does it rank? Do you agree with Bob? Is it the best? I'm going to agree with you in that it's definitely my favorite, and it's definitely, I mean, I had, like I said in the beginning, I had the most fun that I've had going to the movies probably ever. Mm -hmm. um, the crowd that I went with, I met up with some work friends and stuff like that, and it was just being in the city, the 3D IMAX, mm -hmm. perfect center seats, mm -hmm. a crowd that was just absolutely enthralled by every cheering at every appropriate time right yeah laughing their asses off people mm -hmm. throwing things in celebration <laughs> mm -hmm. people yelling to sit back down because there's more parts in the credits like right. that's that's the kind of rambunctiousness at the movies that you want mm -hmm. for that kind of movie yeah and it was just it was perfect mm -hmm. the movie itself like I said, I have to see it again because I spent half the time wiping tears out of my eyes because <laughs> I was cracking up right. the whole time. Yeah, and um, just Joss Whedon, like when I heard that he was in charge, I like mentally put my feet up and made myself a drink. Mm -hmm. I was like, "This is gonna, this is gonna be good." Right, you know. Um, and I did say on a podcast not too long ago that Batman was my more anticipated mm -hmm. movie. It might have been my more anticipated movie. But after seeing the Avengers, I don't think it's going to be different. Yeah, so yeah, well. it's oh, so going to be different. so different, and it's, and it's, it's good that it's different. Yeah, yeah, and it's going to be great. But I think that when I leave Batman, I'm going to be depressed. <laughs> when I left Avengers, yeah. I was like, I just I want to see it again, mm -hmm. and I wanted to like go out and grab a different group of friends. Like mm -hmm. I wish yeah. that it was on Blu-ray already, yeah. so that we could yeah. like have everybody <laughs> over to my place and, yeah. and crank the sound yeah. and grab some popcorn and mm. beers and stuff. Like yeah. I want to I want to see it with some drinks. Yeah. I want to see it with other friends. Mm -hmm. With Batman like you put Batman on, you got to kind of be in a mood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. You know, be like turn the lights down, yeah. you know, no one else is coming over. Yeah. You know, there's only like four friends over, you know, we're going to watch yeah. Batman. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and so thankfully that Nolan did that and he pulled Batman back from the Schumacher brink. Oh yeah. Where it had turned into the 50s neon Batman mm -hmm. stupid giant props and mm -hmm. Batman, Batman credit cards. Batman credit cards, yeah. <laughs> Nipples on the bat And ice skates. And, yeah. Uh, just not good. So it, that's a character that needed that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the DC, will they ever get to a Justice League movie? Well, can, they, can they look at this template and say, okay, we need to start now Flash and Wonder Woman and yeah. Aquaman and, and, and put a team together so we can do this too? We have good characters. I'm pretty sure Jeff Robinoff, the head of Warner Brothers, has a gun in his mouth right now. Yeah. <laughs> Alan, I, I had an idea. I said this to someone the other day, and I'll see what you feel about it as, as a historian uh -huh. here. Um, this the the movies are now replicating the comic book world of 1963-4, where DC was the big established company with the big characters, and upstart Marvel turned up with their flawed characters with feet of clay and problems, and Spidey having the flu and fighting with each other, and leapt past DC entirely. And it seems like on the movie end of things, with, with their last five or six movies, and certainly with this one, they've taken that position again. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'd say in cinematic-wise, that's completely true. Mm -hmm. uh, people are far more excited and, and interested in Marvel characters right now than they are about uh, another Superman movie because they've been disillusioned with that. Or mm -hmm. uh, you know, another Wonder Woman movie, which, I mean, rather talk of another Wonder Woman movie because... Mm -hmm. You haven't proven to them that 
that character is relevant again. Uh, you keep getting you know talks about it, and then nothing ever happens. Right. Uh, I think you've you've got to maybe copy this model of Iron Man was not the most popular Marvel character. That's right. Uh, you know, and and was not really known to people outside of comic book geeks or video game fans. Mm-hmm. So I think if you want to start, you know. In really exploring the DC universe, you've got to start going with some other characters, whether it be, uh, you know, the alien version of Hawkman or uh, touching the Flash again, um, the question, you know, just, just really That's start getting one. some characters out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for, for me, the, th- the thing is, this movie to me is a movie that you show somebody right now who's 10. And it's their Star Wars, you know? It's their Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, it's that kind of movie to me. And I love the Christopher Nolan movies. Love them. Absolutely love them, adore them. And how fucking awesome is it that we ha- we're having this discussion? Which oh, of these yeah. movies is the most amazing of these movies, you know? And that, think about that 15 years ago. You know, that conversation doesn't happen. It's, will they make a good comic book movie? movie? You know, and now it's, oh, we have all these fantastic ones. Which one is better? Right. And the fact that those exist is great. I think that DC needs to get its house in order, needs to figure out. It's had the, the leg up as far as logistics gone for a very long time. And the fact that a movie studio yeah, has in-house. owned their yeah. company for years, you know, and they can't seem to get it together. They've made, there's been two Iron Man movies and no Superman movies in the time since there's been an Iron Man movie. You know, well, I hadn't thought of it that way. You'd be absolutely right. <laughs> and um, I don't know what they're gonna do. I, I, I don't. I, I think that when Nolan leaves, they have they have to decide what they want their universe to be. Are they gonna bring another actor in to do Batman who's not gonna want his Batman in a Justice League movie, or are they going to do Oof, what yeah. Marvel has done, which is pick workman like directors who love the the properties that they're dealing with, who are gonna put a lot into it, who have vision, but aren't gonna aren't gonna get crazy with you can't touch my character. I, no one else can, you know, that whole thing. Yeah, stay out of the way a little yeah. bit. It makes sense for Nolan. Nolan had a vision before any of this was even a thing. You know, that there was going to be universes of movie superheroes. Mm-hmm. So, and he fucking knocked out of the park. But what's going to happen to Batman after this? You know? When they bring back Schumacher. You got to make him a little more comic booky <laughs> oh, if you want to be able to do a Justice League movie. Don't even joke about that. Well, yeah. Because this, this Batman does not, if I saw Superman what? and Christopher Nolan Batman, I'd be like, what the fuck is this? You know, wouldn't play well with others. Wouldn't play, well. play with others. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, that's a whole other conversation. A whole other, like we talk about that for hours on itself. But you made a good point just now by mentioning ten-year-olds, mm-hmm. and I, I I don't know if I've used this quote in the air, but I know we spoke about it. There was a, a on John Byrne's website where he, they were talking about where books are now and, and and how they're written and so on and so forth, and he described uh, what was sort of his his personal edict was the idea of I'm writing a book that an eight-year-old can read and get a complete story from having read the issue, but that they can revisit as a 15-year-old and find another layer mm-hmm. and revisit again as a 25-year-old and get something else. And that was a definition then of an all-ages comic. Mm-hmm. It's harder to write, it's harder to do, but it pays off better. Mm-hmm. These movies are the same thing. There's the flashy superhero stuff. Mm-hmm. But all of the, all these characters have adult issues and adult situations that you go back now as a teenager and say, "Oh yeah, I, I've now lived some of that." Mm. 
maybe not getting flown, flying a plane into the ice and getting frozen for 70 years, but right. having, having girl problems and having rage issues and being the outsider and the loner and all the rest of it, they're putting all this into place. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, having Superman be super peeping Tom didn't quite say the same <laughs> did not, thing. Did not. <laughs> um, the movie delivered on the excitement that I felt in that post-credit sequence in Iron Man when Nick Fury says to Tony Stark, I want to talk to you about the Avengers initiative. Yeah. You know, it, it delivers <laughs> on all that, that feeling I had, which was like, oh my God. And that feeling of, they're not going to do that. You know, it's, it's a nice, throwaway, it's yeah. nice to think about, but come on, they're never really going to do it. And they did it. And it, it, it's just, I can't believe we were talking about it. Um, but I think we've talked enough about the Avengers. Um, we have to go see it some more. Yeah. Um, Alan, thank you so much. Uh, for, sure jo- for joining us. Why don't you tell everybody at home where they can find you and all the things that awesome things you have on the shelves right now. Uh, you can find an archive of my work as well as a new blog starting soon at alankistler.com, K-I-S-T-L-E-R. Uh, I am on Twitter quite often under at Sizzler Kistler. Uh, every week on Newsarama, I'm doing things like uh, the Agent of Style column as well as other articles such as the past few weeks, I've been building up annotations on all the Marvel Studios films that led up to Avengers, pointing mm. out all the references it makes to comics mm. or to each other. And uh, I'll be doing that again with uh, the new Sherlock uh, Season 2 BBC series. Oh, very cool. Yep. And uh, also, uh, Unofficial Game of Thrones cookbook has been out, but coming out in a few weeks, and you can get a pre-order already on Barnes & Noble and Amazon, is the Unofficial Batman Trivia Challenge. And the unofficial Spider-Man trivia challenge, both of which have over 800 questions on those two characters, mm. spanning comics, video games, movies, cartoons, newspaper strips, manga, everything. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Sweet, awesome. Actually, before we get let you go, um, we had one mm. question on Twitter about Agent of Style, which was uh, oh, sure. Dusk1020 just said he loves your loves your Agent of Style segments. Um, he wanted to know what you thought about the costumes in the Avengers. Uh, I'm I'm still on the fence about Captain America's costume. I I think it, it's functional. I'm not sure if there there could have been a better design. One thing I definitely want to change is it's the the blue is a little too bright to me. Mm-hmm. I kind of like a darker, mm-hmm. uh, a more saturated blue on Captain America. I think I think it just makes him look tougher. Um, and uh, and I'm also still wondering if I if I'm okay with the the neck mask attachment or if they should have just kept it a helmet like the movie so I'm a little divided on Captain America's suit Uh, Iron Man of course looks good as always Thor looked fine to me Mm -hmm. it's a wonderful mesh of Celtic and Jack Mm -hmm. Kirby uh, design aesthetic there yeah we got the big circles Uh, onto his chest finally yeah I liked a lot that they uh, put Bruce Banner in a purple shirt for a good part of the movie I I thought that was a very nice touch Mm -hmm. uh Black Widow looked pretty good to me. I'm wondering why she has two belts, really. Um, <laughs> one for that, her makeup. <laughs> yeah, you know that's 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 one thing. Uh, Hawkeye, it it worked for the way he he has it played. If he's going to become a serious Avenger in the future, I would like him to have a little something uh, more to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe even just an Avengers badge or something. Right. But since right here he's a Shield agent who only impromptu joins the team because he can fly a jet and because he has a personal stake in this. Mm-hmm. It, it worked to me as S.H.I.E.L.D. field agent. Right. Um, and uh, the, uh, 
the, the Man Cave podcast wants you to say you can't ignore how great ScarJo looked in those shield pants. That's what he wanted to say. <laughs> this is true. This is true. It doesn't hurt things. <laughs> it was a very well-fitted outfit. This, yes. is, this is absolutely true. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you very much, Alan. Um, we're going to get out of here. We're going to let you go. Um, thank you guys for listening. Um, Twitter at Talking Comics. TalkingComicBooks.com for reviews, columns. Um, Facebook.com backslash Talking Comics. Um, so thank you guys. Oh, info at TalkingComicBooks.com if you want to email us. So that's it for Talking Comics for this week. For Alan, Steve. <laughs> Go see the Avengers. Bob. Excelsior. And I've been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics. To be continued. <laughs>